Okay, good evening. Carl Rominger here. Get Rominger on the phone. Uh, as always, I'll be taking some calls. So don't hesitate to call in if you want. I'll get this all set up here. Who knows if it'll work? 717-906-5319. 717-906-5319. Uh, made myself a few show notes. I want to go over the recession, the looming recession, the recession we might technically be in, uh, maybe technically not not in. Uh, I don't know. Are we in a recession? Uh, do we want a recession? Uh, that's a question I'll be asking. Uh, the election, abortion issues. Uh, you know, we had a 10-year-old who had to go get a uh, abortion at uh, in another state the other day, had to leave her home state. And when the news first broke, uh, there was a lot of skepticism that it was a fake lefty story. I believe my good friend, Tucker Carlson, who you guys know I love, uh, said it was false. Uh, it turns out it was true. Uh, somebody on Facebook was trying to say, well, the mother says the child wasn't raped. Uh, I don't know if the Supreme Court has removed the consent or age limits from rape. I don't think they have. Uh, so when they repealed Roe v. Wade, I still think it is statutory sexual assault, at least on a 10-year-old. Um, and in this state, and almost 49 others, it's still technically uh, or is actually rape because the child would be below the age of consent. So what kind of blather that is that the mother was okay with it or isn't okay with it, or I don't know, let's just shame the victim or the victim family. Um, Cruz wants to send gay marriage back to the States, just like Thomas hinted in the opinion. If you don't think that there is going to be a whole new regime in states' rights uh, growing and what things should go to the states, I mean, if we're going to send gay marriage back to the states, why not send uh, segregation back to the states, right? Separate but equal. That's old precedent we could bring back. Um, we got news today on the Texas school shooting. It's an abject failure of law enforcement. We've seen video uh, of some officers getting shot at, running away, and then nobody following up. Uh, the experts on the news seem to think that they should have continually sent teams down to at least keep the gunmen tied up uh, while they figured out what to do. Uh, I'm not going to second guess everybody except to say that if you're expecting the police to protect you, uh, they're just there to clean up messes. I've said that for a long time. Uh, and even then, their ability at that is uh, sometimes questionable. So is that really the solution, the police? I don't think so. Uh, on the other hand, with 400 officers on the scene, you would have thought somebody with some nuts would have uh, charged. Um, Manchin has killed the climate bill and the Build Back Better uh, climate fiasco that Joe Biden and the uh, Democrats were trying to foist on society here. Uh, I have no problem with that. As you probably know, Joe Manchin made his money in coal. He takes money from a lot of uh, Republican billionaires. Uh, He's a Democrat in name only. What do they call that? Dino? Dino. Uh, now you're supposed to go shoot rhinos, right? Isn't that what the one politician wants you to do? The one Republican, he wants you to go out and find those evil rhinos. Uh, but anyhow, that's kind of like the little news lineup where we're headed. Uh, the reason I'm asking, do we want a recession? Uh, by the way, talk line 717-906-5319. What do we want a recession? reason I'm saying that is people seem to say we're headed to a recession. JP Morgan came out with information saying that a deep dive into their customers and their insight from the banking world 
they don't actually see a recession on the horizon right now. Um, they are seeing instead uh, mixed signals, but on the meantime, they are setting aside billions for potential loan defaults, seemingly protecting against a recession at the same time. I cited Krugman on the Facebook page earlier this week, I believe, where Paul Krugman says anybody could say anything they want about the economy right now because you can cherry pick things. There are too many mixed signals. So if somebody's out there telling you we are in a recession, we may meet one of several technical definitions of a recession. We may. Um, we may also not. But we are clearly having something going on. We have high inflation. Uh, we see some softening in real estate markets. Uh, on the other hand, American consumers have about $5 trillion more dollars in assets and $2 trillion more dollars in savings uh, than they did back pre-pandemic. The credit card load or the credit card debt is lower than it was in 2019, although mortgage debt is higher. Uh, mortgage debt, of course, also comes potentially with the home mortgage interest deduction, something I brought up as welfare earlier this week. Because of the standard deduction, that's only about $30 billion given back to people a year now instead of around 60 to $70 billion a year. But nonetheless, uh, consumers do have a higher mortgage load, but a lower overall credit card loaded more savings sloshing around individuals when asked seem to say that they are better off than they were five years ago uh, and believe that they will be better off five years from now but are concerned about the moment so the general sentiment is very mixed and no one really knows what to think of it so again i'll just come back to do we want a recession is is that what you want and and why do i say that well I think some people want a recession because they think it's important for the November election, right? If we could go into a full-blown recession, you could blame Uncle Joe and, and demand that Congress be turned over to Republican control. Well, that would be very cynical, right? Um, although some of you, uh, Sandra, may I say, you know, is constantly saying that Joe Biden wants to run the economy into the ground, that there's this secret agenda. I think it's just as probable uh, that people on both sides have agendas or beliefs of what might be a, a, a good idea for the moment or or not that might not take the best interest of everybody into, into play. But I think generally speaking, nobody actually wants a recession. But should we talk ourselves into it? Economics are, are self-fulfilling prophecies. If word gets out that there's going to be a shortage of Sriracha, uh, which apparently there is, you go to the Walmart and it's gone from the shelf two days later. Was there really a Sriracha shortage? Uh, same thing going on with baby formula right now. We have an actual shortage of baby formula compounded by hoarding of baby formula by people who traditionally might have, say, only bought two or three canisters are now buying 10 when they can find it. So supply chains get wrecked um, when people sort of get the idea in their head that something's going to happen. Uh, economics makes moves. So if you believe inflation is out of control, you might raise your prices in order to hedge against inflation in the business you run. If you do that, you're pushing up pricing pressure on people below you who then have to raise their prices and it all comes full circle and everybody raises prices on each other. That's why there's always a natural inflationary pressure in the economy. When the economy is expanding, everybody's always trying to get a little bit ahead, right? That's where inflation basically comes from at its, at its most basic level is the concept of everybody just trying to claw a little more. Uh, we have places like Japan, who for a number of years have had no inflation or zero inflation, where people pretty much don't expect prices to go up. And if they don't expect prices to go up, you figure you can't raise prices because you don't expect people will pay for a higher price. And you also don't 
feel compelled to because you don't feel like you're going to have to pay a higher price. So psychology is extremely important in recessionary analysis. Um, so will there be a recession? We'll see what happens. If there is a recession, will it be a normal recession? Well, we've never gone into a recession uh, with people sitting so pretty economically, so to speak. And you can talk about inflation being up. Uh, we have several decades of below average inflation. And so some people believe still that we're in a catch up inflationary period. Um, other people believe that that's not true. We're in a runaway situation brought on by quantum easing, uh, loose money. Remember, uh, Trump and Biden, uh, trillions of dollars were unleashed into the economy, right? Um, and you may forget that Trump and Biden both did that as part of the COVID packages. There's always an argument that the last tranche was too much. That's kind of what Joe Manchin is saying about this most recent tranche is that if the economy were different, inflation were different, he might have stayed on board with the Democrats. So it doesn't sound like he's really against Build Back Better on a strictly environmental uh, plank, but more on a inflationary plank. And what's going on with the dollar? The dollar is strong, right? The dollar is incredibly strong. In fact, the euro is worth less than a dollar right now. That's the first time that's happened since 2002. Uh, what does that mean? I don't know. We're going into this alleged recession, but our buying power, our ability to purchase from overseas is way up. Our supply chains are snarled. Our ports are backlogged. Uh, in the meantime, it's expected that crude production in the United States will continue to rise. By the way, I don't know if you can hear the thunder and lightning in the background, but I can hear it rumbling. So internet, electricity, signals, things like that, they don't always mix. So if for any reason we lose the power, we may lose the transmission. I just want to throw that out there. But that's okay. Um, where am I headed with all this? Well, the point is, I don't know where the economy is headed. I don't think any of us can know. And I think anybody who's out there telling you that there is a full-blown recession on, that inflation will go into some kind of crazy spiral. Look at the price of gold. For years, for years, the guys on talk radio have been telling you, you need to buy gold. Buy gold now. I buy gold, right? So the host are always like, hey, I buy gold and I hold on to gold in case there's uh, inflation. So the inflation is the highest it's been in 40 years. And what's happened to the price of gold? Did you double your money in gold yet? Did you double your money in gold yet? So one of two things, either they were full of it all these years, right, about inflation and the relationship to gold and the hedge, or we don't have high enough superinflation that gold is a necessary hedge, or it's one of these mixed economic indicators I was talking about earlier where what's going on with the price of gold isn't exactly tied to what we would expect from inflation. Something called Phillips curve, which is the relationship between employment and inflation. And there was this theory a while back that the Phillips curve was broken because unemployment had gone so low down to like 3.9% or something like that amongst active job seekers. Um, but yet inflation had not come up that the relationship between unemployment and, and inflation uh, had been broken, this Phillips curve. Then we decided maybe that the Phillips curve uh, is not. So see here, Bill says, the depression was done based on what you're saying. Rockefeller and his corrupt cronies did it, did it. Um, yeah, well, you know, there's always a theory that the rich guys are trying to shake the small guys out of the market. Uh, look at crypto right now. If you've got money in crypto, uh, you might be uh, proverbially pooping your pants right now, right? Or maybe you're doubling down and buying more. The problem with crypto is who defends it? So governments defend currencies most of the time, right? When a currency starts to go into a wild swing or a wild pattern, um, uh, Bill, put your, put your uh, thing up here. 
So you think that the pressure was done based on what I'm saying, uh, and you think it was Rockefeller and his corrupt cronies. Uh, so possible. And, and there's a lot of history of people making runs on the market. Now, in this modern era, uh, there are people that are capable of it, but there are so many people who control so much wealth and so many pots. So back to crypto for a second. Who defends crypto, right? So when Bitcoin, uh, a report just came out in the Wall Street Journal that the seven largest miners in the United States are burning as much electricity every day as the 2.3 million people in Houston do with the city of Houston. And that Bitcoin is burning so much electricity. Uh, remember, China basically kicked the Bitcoin miners out recently over their energy consumption. So a lot of it's moved into the United States. It's pushing up, arguably, according to some studies, electric bills. They said in some areas in New York State, people are paying extra 60 bucks a month because crypto uh, demand has pushed up prices in those areas. Is that all true? I don't know. Um, it seems logical. We're talking about, again, if you're talking about burning as much electricity as what, Houston, which is one of the largest cities in the United States, then obviously that's just the seven top miners who are all exponentially growing their mining operations, at least right now. Is it sustainable? So I don't know where crypto goes. The miners defend it. Or are they just going to produce it because they can get the electricity cheap enough that the value of the Bitcoin is higher than the cost? Um, if one of you guys knows crypto, would love to hear what you have to say about it, what you think about it. Um, I'm not a crypto guy. I don't follow it religiously. I just know that, what, three major crypto exchanges have gone bankrupt and one's just sort of not responding to anybody right now. So, again, who defends crypto? Is it really an asset? Um, what's it actually worth? You know, so if you own stock in U.S. Steel and U.S. Steel goes bankrupt, right? Uh, as a stockholder, you have some rights as a shareholder. As a bondholder, you have even better rights, right? But after the bondholders get paid, maybe the shareholders get paid in liquidation. When you own crypto that's traded on an exchange and it's being held by them, you might just be an ordinary creditor, just like in a banking situation where if it was a private bank with your own money in an account, FDIC insurance would kick in up to a certain amount. Uh, but with crypto, there's nobody there to pay you out. So maybe you bought a reinsurance product or maybe you're just like everybody else in the world and you just had some crypto in a wallet somewhere held on an exchange uh, that you can't get to anymore. Maybe it just went poof, hard to say. Um, I do think there'll be repercussions from the crypto market. Uh, I don't know how much money is being lost there right now, if that's going to ensue with a panic. But again, it's just one part of the overall economy. So crypto's having a little meltdown right now, maybe. Uh, gold has not gone up. Is that because people hedged into gold or into crypto instead of gold? And maybe that's why gold didn't go up? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know, I don't know the answers to all these things. And I would like to say, I don't think any of us do. Um, it's something that I think should be studied. I think something that people who in the know could give us some insights on. It's kind of like oil price. Oil price is crashing down again. Uh, it's crashing down despite the war with Russia right now, despite the Ukrainian issue. Uh, a lot of people didn't expect it to fall as much as it has. It looks like production's coming on. I'm going to have to get, and I don't have, what production is coming on in the United States. I know Sunoco is uh, putting some stuff on in the... Uh, uh, Moses, what about the price of copper? Copper's way down historically in other areas. The price of copper falling has always been followed by receptive recession of epic proportions. Well, it's interesting you mentioned that because the Wall Street Journal just had a thing about that, Moses, that Dr. Copper is in fact associated, and given they call him Dr. Copper because he's a PhD in economics is the theory, uh, is associated with 
turndowns in the economy and recessions. On the other hand, they actually did a regression analysis and looked at different downturns of different banks and magnitudes and found that copper actually only predicts it about 50-50 and arguably might even get it wrong and, and you would be go against copper's um, theory that when copper's down, historically, it might actually lead to upturns. So the price of copper is interesting because it's linked to so many things, right? Copper is used in all kinds of businesses, all kinds of items and devices to conduct electricity, um, to make tanks, pipes, uh, automobiles. Copper is just used everywhere, which is why it's such a good economic indicator or barometer. But again, is the price of copper where it is because of lack of consumption? Is it where it is because of a failing economy? Or is it where it is because of esoteric financial moves and, and things that are going on right now that are outside the control of the average person um, and or outside the control of even large institutions? And maybe copper's drop isn't necessarily predicting a recession. We'll only know later, right, whether the two correlate really well. They're just, there's so many other mixed economic indicators. Again, inflation's high. Um, copper should be going up, right? Commodities should be going up with inflation because you want to park your money in tangible things. That's the theory. Now, people have unwound from them, meaning, meaning they don't maybe think that inflation is here to stay, that inflation is not a long-term thing. We're going to find out, obviously, right? We always do. Um, we could all get rich if we knew accurately when it was going to happen and how it was going to happen and how it would all play out. Remember this, even when the economy is in a downturn, right? Even when one quarter of all people didn't have their job during the Great Depression, you know, a quarter of the people, 25% of the people in the United States were unemployed. The corollary to that is 75% of the people in the United States were employed, right? Maybe they didn't have the best wages, uh, maybe weren't in the best position. But on the other hand, if you were one of the people who had some money or was making some money during the depression, uh, you might be in a position to accumulate some wealth. So remember, even in a downturn, uh, there are things that you can do or maybe deals that you can strike uh, that would benefit you. So just look at my notes again. Uh, you know, I posted something on Facebook about a little quiz. Is Obama... Uh, and why am I going back to Obama? Well, I keep hearing people go back to Hillary Clinton. So I figured we'll just go all the way back to Obama. Since President Trump was really big on whether Obama was from Hawaii or not, or Kenya or not, whether he was a Christian or not, or a Muslim or not. And I figured I'll just post a quick poll and see what people say on Facebook. I think it took all of about 13 seconds for somebody to say that he was clearly a Muslim. Somebody else say he was born in Kenya. Other people saying he's a Christian from the United States. Uh, but a significant percentage of people still persist in these theories uh, that he's he's not a Christian, he's not from the United States. Um, one of my friends, Marshall, he he made a comment along the lines of, "Well, you know, he uses religion as a tool. All, all politicians do. Even religious politicians, even politicians who really believe in their religion, use it as a tool. Um, religion is the original uh, tool of politics, right? In fact, politics might originated in religion." Historically, uh, if you go back to even the biblical aspects of the kings and the judges and God setting people up, government has always been one and one with Christianity uh, in the Western um, in the Western mind. Uh, our founders then created you know this concept of separating church and state, not having an official church. What the exact level of separation recognition is supposed to be something we're fighting out today, and it's still going on. Uh, we're not going to get into that today. 
but I, but I offer it up that people seem very concerned still that Obama was a Muslim or Obama was from Kenya. And that was something Trump pushed very hard. It may have actually started with Hillary Clinton's people. Uh, doesn't matter where it started. It's one of these things that just continues to go. And of course, some people have said, you know, it's really about his race. And this was a way for uh, white supremacists and people who were anti-black um, or at least somewhat racist and not, maybe not even realizing it to express their racist self. Because instead of saying, I don't like him because he's black, I don't like him because he's a, he's a Muslim from Kenya, right? And that way you're not saying, I didn't like Obama because he's black. I don't know. Again, possibility, probably true of some people. I think it just shows how uninformed our electorate is or how they're really pulled into things that really don't matter. Another thing that blew people's minds, uh, Teresa posted on, on, on Facebook and I amplified it a little bit, was a chart showing the average GDP gain under each president. Um, so it was the average GDP gain per year over the entire four years of each president's term or eight years of each president's term, whatever the case may be, except Ford, I don't think had uh, either. But my point being is Trump had a very low, as did Obama. In fact, the presidents who did well were back a few years. That might be because the overall economy did really well. So let me tie this into why does that matter now? Why did our economy do so well in the 60s, 70s, and 80s, and 90s? What was the big growth factor in the United States economy? Anybody want to raise their hand on this one? Anybody know what the big growth factor in the United States economy was? It was bringing women into work. See, there's only two ways to increase your economy. One is to have each person produce more. That's the productivity level. So if I make one pen, right, in a day, but then I figure out how to make two pens in a day, then I've doubled my productivity. But if I can only make one pen a day, and you need to bring another worker in, and then each worker makes a pen, now we're still making two pens. We've still doubled productivity. We haven't doubled productivity. We've doubled the amount of output of GDP, okay? So the only two ways to increase GDP, gross domestic uh, product, is to either increase the efficiency of each worker, which we've done slowly over the years and sometimes faster or not faster. And the other way is to add workers. The great migration to work came after World War II. Uh, all these nice ladies took up jobs. They got kicked out of their jobs, right? Sent back to the house to raise the babies um, with the baby boomer generation. And then women started to return to work they got educated, they went to college, they did all the things that women expect to do today. And we brought all these women into the workforce and that grew our economy because we were bringing more people in. The other way we grew our economy is through immigration. Now you guys hate to say that, hear that, but when we bring in immigrants, again, we're adding people to the production, okay? Anytime you bring somebody in who's a worker, you increase your GDP. Now, there are costs to increasing GDP. These workers have to be fed, they have to be housed, they have to be clothed, they have to get medicine. Uh, but nonetheless, that's how you increase your GDP. And it was bringing women into the workforce over the three, four decade period that greatly increased the US GDP. If you take out the increase in women's labor, it goes right back to the magic like 2% give or take. In fact, if you study human history since the modern invention of industry, so to speak, we'll call it, I don't know, 1700, somewhere in there, the Industrial Revolution, you know, when the Dutch come up with banking and the machines start to roar and stuff, the average growth rate's been like 2% per year per country. And sometimes people have jumped ahead 
they've fallen back. But it seems like unless anybody's in a catch-up phase technologically, 2% GDP growth, um, economic growth seems to be the norm for modern industrial economies. Uh, fact check me on that one if you think I'm wrong. Um, but that seems to be about the norm. The U.S. went through a phase of higher average GDP. Now, what does that mean? That means actually if you were to look at Obama's numbers and Trump's numbers, knowing that the historical averages for normal are around 2%, neither one did very badly, right? Because they're not historical abnorm abnorms. Um, and we go back for most of human history, by the way, it took a long, 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 long time for GDP to increase. And by the way, somebody else said, well, Carl, one of the things you've got to think about is the real wage, right? People's real wages have fallen. There's certainly that argument, right? People's real wages have fallen. Now, I'm talking to you through a repurposed cell phone uh, and sitting in front of a flat panel computer screen hooked up into a desktop that's exactly as big as a cube, uh, just a little, little dinky cube, uh, running on an internet, none of which my purchasing power could have bought me in the 1970s. In fact, you could have been the richest man in the world in the 1970s and not bought one iPhone or one Samsung smartphone, right? So real buying power is always difficult to measure. Um, you can only eat so many beans and so many steaks. Uh, so is your real buying power less or more? Well, there's different ways of measuring it, but what's available to you for your money? Um, you know, in the 1880s, all the money in the world couldn't get you on an airplane. In the 1970s, the money could get you on an airplane. Could you afford to fly in the 1970s as the average person? Maybe. Um, can people now fly to Florida for a $100 one-way ticket on Allegiant Airlines packed like sardines? Sure. Um, was a was $100 equivalent available in the 70s for a person to fly domestically? I don't know. We'll have to look it up. Uh, I would just suggest that measuring real purchasing power is always a sticky wicket because what we can purchase today is so much different than the basket of goods we could purchase back in the day um, and the things we can do. So, again, where are we at? Now, why was I talking about women in the workforce? Well, one of the unintended consequences of restricting abortion access will be less women in the workforce. Why is that? because accidental pregnancies historically have sidelined women from their educations and sidelined them from work. Uh, if women make a choice to have an abortion and continue with their education or their work rather than raise a child, uh, some people would say that's bad. Some people would say that's good. It doesn't matter what it is. It just matters that there is an effect. Now, you can say she should buckle down, she should go to school, she can raise the baby and and continue working and do all these things, et cetera, et cetera. You're right, absolutely. But we just know across groups of people that a certain percentage of people will not complete everything they can. They either don't have um, the family resource or the wealth or the wherewithal. Um, not everybody has the same wherewithal. I'll give you an example of wherewithal. Uvalde, Texas. There were 400 police officers there and they didn't have the wherewithal to stop a shooting for 70 minutes. You could drop some police officers down. There are probably some who are listening to this now who would tell you, maybe lying, maybe truthfully, that they would have charged in that door and, and a hell of bullets gotten shot, but at least distracted the guy from shooting some kids, right? Because their, their ability to act in a pressure situation, their wherewithal is different. 
Well, women are the same way as police officers. Their wherewithal is different across individuals. So some will certainly be able to buckle down. Uh, now, the 10-year-old from Indiana obviously would not be able to buckle down. By the way, some of you have said, quite frankly, which I find fascinating, that the 10-year-old should have had the baby. Um, some of you have said that you agree with Doug Mastriano that there should be no exceptions whatsoever for the life of the mother for an abortion. Um, because once there's a heartbeat in the fetus, it's in God's hands and God will sort out which one survives. Right? I mean, legitimately, some of you have said that. Um, I got proof on my Facebook page. So in that instance, I guess your theory would be that the 10-year-old would go, not get the abortion, and maybe just explode with the pregnancy. I don't know. I don't know what the plan there is. Um, most people, I think, are somewhere in between where they would say, or most people would say simply, that's insane. A 10-year-old who's raped should not be forced as a rape victim to bring the child in. And because the life of a 10-year-old would always be at risk, that should kick in. And some of you are saying, who cares about pushing it back to the states because, you know, all the states have life of the mother's exceptions. Well, they do and they don't, right? There's already a move now to criminalize um, helping people move across state lines. And this is what's important. Do any of you own businesses? Have any of you ever been involved in business? Do any of you have professional licenses and are you held to a professional standard and worry about your license? So I'm going to give you an example. You have a chance you can do action A, and there's a 50% chance you'll be second-guessed. You can do action B, and there's a 10% chance you'll be second-guessed. And you can do action C, and there's a 0% chance you'll ever be second-guessed. Oh, yeah, by the way, in that 10% guess, you'll have to go through a criminal jury trial and expend tens of thousands of dollars you'll never recover uh, or more on lawyers to defend you and be written up in the newspaper in the meantime. I think I'll take door C, says many people. So as long as there's uncertainty, and, and some of you are happy with that, right? You're like, this uncertainty will, will cause doctors to only give abortions in the most, in the most egregious, necessary circumstances. And so what if a few women die in that scenario, or a few after, you know, kids go motherless? Who cares, right? That's what God wants. That's what the universe wants. That's whatever. Um, that's a theory. Uh, other people would say, well, the doctor should suck it up, have some wherewithal and some courage and take that risk because if he really believes a woman needs it, he should be prepared to defend himself. Of course, he's got a family to feed. And if there's a 10% chance that the action you're going to take is going to result in something that's a crapshoot about whether you or your family will have a breadwinner anymore, uh, maybe your duty to your own children will require you to avoid those sticky wickets in those tough circumstances, right? So there is a chilling effect. Again, it's whether you agree or disagree. You just have to agree that these things exist. I think that's one of the problems we have as a society is people are so determined to have a result. You know, um, someone said, they, they think it's funny that some of you guys are calling me a liberal. Uh, she knows me. She knows I'm no liberal. If, if anything, I'm far from a liberal. But because I don't have your exact belief on a exact issue, I'm some kind of flaming liberal weirdo, right? How about this? How about this? Biden is a bad president. I can say it, right? Trump was not much better. I can say it. But because I said one or the other, some of you are the liberals. Some of your liberals are like, oh, your heads are exploding. How dare he say Biden was bad? We have to pretend he's good. We have to, you know, the emperor has no clothes, but we're not allowed to acknowledge it, right? Well, he's a little senile, obviously. 
Um, the real question is what are his handlers doing? Who's really in charge and are they doing a good job? On the other hand, if I said Trump is crude, if I said he's an ass, and if I said he whipped a bunch of people up to collect $250 million on false election claims, you guys think I'm, you know, I'm not one of you. Well, maybe I'm just not taking it. Other people are on here going, well, who cares? We're, we're going to move on from Trump now. You're not moving on from Trump now. He's going to announce. You're not moving on. None of us are moving on from Trump. He is not going away anytime soon. He's not going away quietly. Uh, he's about to get indicted in Georgia, potentially. Uh, remember, all the theory, all the evidence of election fraud, right? Everybody says there's all this election fraud and these corrupt judges, including the guys that Trump accidentally appointed. You know, he's a stable genius, but he accidentally appointed these guys and now they don't want to give him his day in court. The only tape recording I have heard of anybody asking anybody to change the number of votes, the only tape recorded conversation of that was the president of the United States talking to Brad Raffensperger in Georgia, asking him to change or find votes. So the only tape recording of actual plan for election fraud, unless you guys want to post on my Facebook page, I'll listen to them. Play me some audio of people, you know, literally cooking votes. Um, the only audio is the president of the United States. If, if you can't see that as a problem, like maybe, maybe Trump didn't really realize what he was doing was wrong, right? Maybe he just, he was being hyper, hyper, hyperbolic, right? Hyperbole. Hey, Brad, you know, I just need like 100,000 votes. I just need 7,822 votes to like tip it in my favor. Maybe he didn't really mean find them. Maybe he just meant find them. I don't know. I don't know what he really meant. Uh, you know, we'll be charitable and just say that he's bat guano crazy and he didn't know what he was asking for, or what he was saying to an elected official. And we'll give him a free pass on that. Right. Hey, who cares? Uh, we could do that. There's nothing wrong with that. Although I don't think that leaves him particularly fit for office. If, in fact, he's that confused about what that conversation was about that he didn't realize that puts him in the Joe Biden senile category. OK, really, it does. Um, Trump's now older than Biden was when he ran the last time, right? So when Trump were to become president, he'd be older than when Biden took the presidency the last time. So if Biden was too old to be president, then Trump's clearly too old to be president. Um, remember, the decline can happen fast at this age. All they got to do is fall and break a hip, and that's the end of them. So um, I don't know how robust he is, but he's in that age range, right? So where am I going with all this? I'm just saying, it doesn't make you a liberal if you don't like Trump. Uh, you think George Will is some liberal, right? Uh, anybody who's a rhino, Republican in name only because they're not part of the Colt 45 Trump deal, that doesn't make sense. Where is this coming from? Why is this one man, strong man thing come from? I know people are going to be mad at me. They're going to be always talking about Trump. He lives in your head like Tucker Carlson does. Listen, Tucker was just on the other night saying that Italy is a bigger danger than Russia because their economy is bigger. Uh, it's an interesting argument. And once again, it goes to my theory that Tucker gets his instructions straight from Moscow somewhere. Um, you know, I, I really like to make fun of Tucker, but if I really don't like what he did, it's, what I really don't like is the fact that Tucker goes to um, Hunter Biden and has him write a letter for his kid, right? Very swampy thing to do. His emails are on that laptop. His are, right? Tucker's. He actually says, thanks for giving my kid a letter of recommendation, even though you don't really know him. Why is he getting a letter of recommendation from Hunter? Because Hunter is the vice president's kid. It's the whole influence peddling thing that none of us like. And so that led me to say the other day that I could have an abortion on the air, literally abortion on the air, 
as long as I did it on Fox News, because as long as somebody's on Fox News, you know, if I was an anchor or host on Fox News and I chose to have a live abortion, the Fox News viewers would be explaining to me why it was okay this time around because it's different than when a Democrat does it or when, it, the, you know, if Rachel Maddow had an abortion on the air, you guys would be, and by the way, Rachel Maddow has like three viewers, right? We're talking about her, so she's doing her job. Uh, but her three viewers watch the show, as does from Fox, and then they mention her, and then she gets a million uh, hits because everybody on Fox is always concerned about what Rachel Maddow is saying. But but I say this in all seriousness. If she had an abortion on the air, you guys would go crazy, right? Oh, I can't believe it. If if one of the women on Fox did, it would be like, well, you have to understand, you know, it's different because, well, it's a Fox. So Hannity can tell you in one set of text messages that he's sending to the president and Don Jr. and the press secretary and Mark Meadows, that this has got to stop. And then we're talking about this election stealing and there was no election stealing and the president needs to do something about this violence and he gets to get his people out of the Capitol while he's simultaneously telling you something different on the air. And you're all like, oh, well, you know, uh, Hannity is being misconstrued out of those text messages. That's a one-sided January 6th committee. And I don't have to believe anything they say, even if they are the actual text messages. The fact that they touch the text messages means they're meaningless. Guys, if there's evidence that contradicts the January 6th committee, anybody can bring it out anytime they want. Anytime they want. Just roll it right out there. There's that one video of the, of the cops opening the doors at the Capitol. I don't think that's where all the mob came in. But at least that's some evidence to the contrary, right? That's out there. So where's the rest of it? Get the rest of it. Now, Thursday night, we're going to have a very fascinating hearing because they're going to say what Trump was doing for the three hours while the people were ravaging the Capitol. By the way, I posted an article about Ray Epps from the New York Times. Ray Epps is complaining that his life has been ruined because people are threatening him. And I know a bunch of you are convinced that he's an FBI shill and he was part of the secret cabal to trick Trump's people into raiding the Capitol because you know, they were easily tricked into vandalizing the United States Capitol. But the reality is, Epps, just like thousands of other people who entered the Capitol grounds and actually entered the building, was not charged with a crime. Um, most of the people who entered the buildings, most of the people who broke and entered essentially by going in a door that somebody else broke, um, have not been charged with crimes. Do we want them charged with crimes? No, I think they're patsies. I think they're idiots. Um, you know, Doug Mastriano, now that's a different story. He's, he was chartering buses down there, right? Um, I still don't think we know the whole story about what he was up to down there. I don't know. I think he's he's a smart guy, though. So he probably just stuck his nose, you know, right up to the fence and then slid away while the people off the buses that he brought down entered the Capitol, right? Um, probably, um, that's my guess. If you were on one of those buses, I know one of you guys. Uh, there we go. There we go. There's That's every news channel today. They lie to all of us to keep their views in. Yeah, I, I yeah. Absolutely. Listen, the problem is people want to hear what they want to hear. So a lot of people don't like what I want to talk about because it's not what they want to hear. I'll just say whatever comes to my mind. Um, you know, I have a buddy who used to be uh, what I would consider a Reagan Republican, a Bush Republican. He's sort of become a Trump Republican. It's kind of funny because he's a little more blue blood than uh, than, than most of my friends. So it's kind of like a Tucker Carlson almost, you know? Um, you're like, like really, you're, you're a populist now? <laughs> uh, you got the tortoiseshell caviar spoon and you're worried about what? Okay, anyhow. Uh, 
you guys know that, right? You got to use that fancy, fancy schmancy spoon for the caviar, right? You see, you'll see it. If you order caviar from the right place, they'll include the the, the bone or shell spoon or whatever the hell it is, right? Because heaven forbid you touch the caviar with metal, because that'll interact and then it won't taste right. I'm told. I'm told. Uh, my grandfather many years ago told me that uh, when he was a young man back in the 1920s or thereabouts, uh, he went to some weddings where they had campaign uh, champagne and caviar, and he said, "Shovel the, <laughs> shovel the, shovel the caviar in the corner with the horse shit, and drink the champagne." Was his advice. Um, I do have a taste for fish eggs, so I can't say I would follow his advice. But you get where we're going with this is. People want to hear certain things. They like to have it reinforced. If I want to do a Ken Matthews style show, I already know the script. Like I could probably script Ken's show out two weeks in advance. So first of all, I got to spend a lot of time on the fact that the vaccine is fake and there's no real disease and I'm digging in on the numbers and heart muscle damage and all this kind of stuff. By the way, myocarditis is a, is a risk of the vaccine. Myocarditis is also a risk of the virus. So, you know, we, we need to balance those things out. But that's a whole other story. I could do the Ken Matthews story. I could do a show. You know, I could, I could just follow those topics. That's not what I want to do. I want to force discussion. Um, sometimes you guys think you know what I believe. You probably don't always know what I believe. Sometimes I put it out there. Um, you know, sometimes I put a question mark on the end of something, which is kind of my way of saying, I might not really be saying this, but what I love is, People don't see that. So somebody the other day said, I can't believe you said that and, and, and you support that. And I'm like, parse my statement. Is that what I said? You're not reading critically. Well, what, what am I trying to accomplish? I'm trying to accomplish discussion. Unfortunately, it's hard to get good discussions going. It's hard to get people on both sides of, of topics who put so much emotion into things. Um, you know, I got some clowns that like to just, uh, I think they get sauced up on the uh, booze. And then they just start posting crazy things on the, on Facebook and uh, everybody's ter terrible and the Trump is great or Biden's great and everybody else is terrible. I don't know. I'd like to get all of them drunk together and let them debate it and just uh, maybe keep all the sharp objects off the table. Uh, but again, if, if, if you think it can be distilled down into these simple, neat answers, um, you know, just look at the decision in the abortion case. If you like the decision or don't like the decision, understand that in order to reach it, precedent had to be overruled, right? It's okay. You can overrule precedent. Remember, I told you judges can do whatever the hell they want, quite frankly. Uh, they can follow precedent or overrule it. It's easy for them to do either way. When they want a certain result, they follow precedent. When they don't, they explain why precedent doesn't apply in this particular case or needs to finally be overruled. But once you do that, once you overrule precedent, 10,000 lawyers come marching in with arguments. So, and don't get me wrong, groups of lawyers on different ends of issues have been doing this for years, right? It's been, it's been refined in the last 20, 30 years. But we would box in the courts. The court gives an answer, and then you say, okay, you said A, you said B, and you said C, so D must follow because by all legal logic, it must be D. And the court's like, whoa, wait a minute, I didn't mean for D to be what, where we were going to end up. But then they're boxed in. So then they have to decide how to explain themselves. And sometimes you can force them. And in this case, you have people on the court who would want to roll back gay marriage, who would want to roll back the right to contraception. If they roll back the right to contraception, that's crazy, right? 
No condoms for you. No pills for you. Like, well, what if I just want to wear the condom to protect against HIV? Oh, Carl, you're having sex outside of marriage. That's a crime too. Oh, well, I'm glad I'm as old as I am. I broke a lot of broke a lot of laws back in the day. I did break some laws back in the day. Otherwise, um, now on the climate bill, I'm okay with that, right? On Mansion, I think I brought the top of the hour that Mansion killed the climate bill. Um, I'm okay with that. Uh, this whole forced changeover to electric or renewables or whatever. Does it really necessary? I think it's a great idea that we're figuring out better ways of powering things, better ways of of driving around, getting rid of emissions. Oh, it's all great, but it doesn't have to be forced. You know, one of the funny things is that the United States runs around and tells the Brazilians that they need not they need to stop deforesting, right? Stop deforesting, and the Europeans tell the Brazilians stop deforesting, and the Russians oh, stop deforesting. Everybody says to these poor guys down there, stop deforesting. Look around you. Everything you see used to be a forest, okay? After we deforest the entire all, all the entirety of North America, we suddenly became concerned that other people were cutting down trees. Um, and that's how I feel about this with the rest of the world. You know, how dare you uh, do this, but you can burn coal, but we can't burn coal, then you can burn coal. You know, we, we want everybody to not do what we did. And it's not clear that this global warming thing is going to be a huge problem anyhow. And I know I'll get in trouble with some of you for saying that, um, but I'm a big believer that man is a very small mover of the environment overall, uh, and, that it, and that even if we are a large mover of the environment, we're just doing what animals and plants and bacteria have done for billions of years on Earth, which is slowly terraform it. Um, and there's no magical state that the Earth needs to be in, okay? It doesn't need to be 72 degrees in Greenland or 34 degrees in Greenland. None of that's magic. In fact, if you follow the science, uh, the continents all used to be all stuck together in one part of the earth and the carbon dioxide used to be higher and we've had all this cycle of freeing and cooling and most recently ice ages. Uh, I can't wait. You know, I wish I could live another thousand years or two to watch the next ice age come rolling in and see all these dumb bastards get scared about the ice age and tell me we got to do everything to heat everything up lest we freeze to death. Uh, because the humans will be around long enough for the next ice age with modern society. Cross your fingers. Um, I know, Don, you don't, you, I know how you feel about climate change, Donnie. You're giving me the ha-ha-has. I'll, I'll put your ha-ha-has up. Um, listen, they wouldn't have called it the dominant cause or whatever that terminology they used if we were the real cause. We'll get into that in another episode some night. Um, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna belabor the points here. I hope tonight's show was a little bit interesting. Um, I want to start getting guests on here, so I'm gonna put a little invitation out. If you know somebody that you think would be a good guest for the show, um, if you think you know somebody who would be interesting to have on, or if you're a business owner and you want to talk about your business or whatever, uh, I'd like to do some interviews. Um, but I would also like to get somebody from Astriano campaign um, and somebody from. Uh, uh, Shapiro campaign to talk about the issues as their campaign see them. I'd be curious to talk to them about abortion, Pennsylvania economy, the Pennsylvania budget. So if you guys know anybody, feel free to send them my way. Uh, I'll do a little digging and reaching out on my own as well. Uh, but again, if you want to come on and be booked as a guest, you know, so you know ahead of time what we want to talk about, uh, I'm always interested in doing that, and that goes for anybody listening to this after the fact. Just get in contact with me. Easy to find. It's Carl with a K 
Rominger on Facebook. And have a great night.